Welcome back, folks. I am the coach, Pete Eibner, and I'm here with my main man, Adam the Miz Mizell, and we are not in the basement of a bank. We are safe, however, lathered up in antibacterial soap away from the coronavirus. We are here live at Angelo's Soccer Corner, and we are off the crossbar. <laughs> Miz, what's going on in your world, buddy? We're safe and warm. If you're ever out somewhere and you're a little cold, a little chilly, you want to stop at Angelo's, do some shopping, and uh, warm up because it's, it's 4,000 degrees in here. I've, I've lost five pounds since I got here. I'm telling you, if you were a wrestler, you might want to go pick yourself up some soccer gear and cut weight. It is awesome here. It's like being in the tropics. I love it, man. It's, it's tropical for sure, and uh, hopefully we get some good weather out. And the weather's starting to change, so that's nice, right? No it more 20 below nights. Perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So anyway, we also have with us today, we have our super producer, Miss Morgan on the wheels of steels and the ones and twos, but you, she just got a promotion. She did. She's, she's pr promoted to uh, virus protection technician. The, oh my gosh, we got our own VPT. She's going to douse us right now, actually. Let's get a little, a little light salt. Yeah, there we go. Thank good. you. We're good to go now. Yep. I'm ready. Man. Very Let's good. Start. I feel safe. I was reading the Blast Hall of Fame list, the Steam list up there. Nice, man. Some of those names. Uh, big time. You got you got everybody from Stan Stamankovich to Tariq Walker, and they just put some new guys in, and uh, they got to they gotta update it. The list is going to be building. I don't see. They, they did miss one. Who did they miss? Unless they spelled Ibner wrong, I'm, uh, yeah, no, or Crowley, no. Ibner never played for the Blast. Unbelievable. They missed out, didn't they? They missed out because they could have had all this, baby, but they chose not to. Miz, let me just tell you who brought us here. My main man, Dr. Adam Maddox at Ideal Health Chiropractic. I tell you what, man, he is the best in the business if you have back issues. He will hit you up with that gun. He'll fix you up. And you've had some family interaction with Dr. Adam. Tell us about that, yeah, Miz. A little, little intimate touch with the uh, Dr. Adam Maddox. So my wife has scoliosis real bad, was experiencing some back pain, um, signed up for an appointment, went in. Her first appointment, he couldn't do anything, though, because he had to take some measurements, take some x-rays, things like that, and then put together a nice little treatment plan. She goes back today. So uh, I'll have an update for you. But if you have scoliosis... Definitely want to go see him. I think she's her work requires a lot of sitting and bending with what she does, so I think they're going to try to adjust her posture a little bit. I tell you what, he he hooked me up because one time playing soccer, you're jumping up and down, you're yeah. getting hit a lot. My body went like to like like a cartoon, like one of those accordions, like and he cracked it a couple times, hit me with that little I gun. Know, I don't know that that's the sound for the accordion. Is sure it's not a days in? No, no okay. <laughs> 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 I mean, what, you know. Well, anyway, Dr. Adam Maddox hooked me up, fixed my back. What kind of show we got cooking here today, Miss? I love these chairs, man. I'm ready for a Microsoft Excel sheet or something. I know. It's a little it's swivel. Nice. It's way better than what we're it's used great to. great stuff. But we got a great show for you. We got a, a, a good guest today. He's going to come in. He's going to tell us how to prevent ourselves from being infected. Um, and then he's going to talk about some other stuff like soccer, recruiting, um, uh, a special event that his, his, his organization is going to be dealing with soon coming up. So uh, we'll get all that soon. By the way, did you see the look on his face when you said he was going to tell us how to keep from getting sick? <laughs> he, he, look, he looked like the Amish buying an iPhone. Hey, he's an, <laughs> he's an expert in all fields. Why not medical, right? I mean, and you know who we're talking about, folks? We're talking about UMBC assistant head coach Anthony Adams, a.k.a. Baltimore soccer doctor. 
I, I will say this. There will be no L.A. Looks hair gel required on the set today. Hey, by the way. We, oh, we can do that later as well. We know. can. And we will be right back. Hey, everybody. A while back, I had a lot of problems with my lower back. It started with a muscle called my piriformis. And when that locked up, my lower back locked up. I couldn't coach. I couldn't run. almost couldn't walk. I went to see Dr. Adam Maddox at Ideal Health Chiropractic. And within three sessions, I'm back on the soccer field. I'm able to run. I'm able to lift weights. I'm able to train. I'm able to compete. And not only is he a sponsor of the show, but he's a really, really good guy. I consider him a friend. Check him out if you have any back difficulties, any back pain, even if it's in your IT band in your leg. My man, Dr. Adam Maddox, is the best in the business. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. Now, Miz, it is time for one of my favorite, favorite, favorite parts of our show every week. I, I love this part because we get to look inside that dome. We get to see what you're thinking about. We get to know how all the inner workings work. And of course, we call this the mystery question of the week. Miz, what you got cooking? I'm curious. So uh, in everybody's world, right, They only they, everyone has their own idea of things. Um, and whether we're talking chapstick or edibles, any type of food, Everything that, you know, you can consume or, you know, just some useless consumer products, everything comes with an expiration date, right? Right. So everyone has their own expiration date. So if Coach Pete Eidmer is going to pull out the Virginia ham, but it expired two days ago, does he or does he not still make his sandwich? What is the Pete Eidmer expiration date versus the one posted on whatever the product is? You know, Ms. I'm a risk taker. I'm a little crazy. I might have a, a carton of milk where it says the expiration date is yesterday, and I'll drink it anyway, because I like to live on the edge. With ham, oh, ham's meat. So meat can have bacteria in it. I see those bacteria as actually virus-fighting agents. So unless it smells bad, that's the way it gets it. I give it the smell test, not the day test. If it doesn't smell like ham anymore, out the door. Do you apply the smell test to the milk also? Yes, absolutely. What about like medical stuff, like Ben Gay or what if? Good know? forever. Absolutely good forever. There is no way Ben Gay ever expires. I do not believe that antibiotics stop fighting just because they're old. I think those sons of bitches just keep going at it. So I use, I do not believe in expiration dates at all. Listen, Tony Delarose, when we were kids, once had uh, Cheese Whiz, right, uh, in, in, his, in his refrigerator. And that that's, Cheese that's, Whiz that's strike one, by expired the way, but <laughs> in 1978. <laughs> we graduated high school in 1988. Still ate it. Did it have the green film on top? It did after, because we ate it, we took a dip, and then we put it back in for posterity or posterity, and guess what happened? It turned green. And we still had it in there till his mom moved. Once his mom moved, uh, it got thrown out. Exciting. It so had its own shelf life. Coach Eibner, no expiration No dates. expiration dates. I like to stick with it. If it works, I'm sticking with you. And you roll the dice. And just roll the <laughs> dice, Mr. Vegas. I love it. All right, thank you so <laughs> much for answering the mystery question the of the week. The mystery question of the week.
So, you ready to bring in our guest? Let's do it. Oh, wait a minute. What is that sound? Oh, I hope, up, up. There she goes. Perfect. Yep. yep. That good. alarm tells us it is time to be clean. Good. Uh, nice chair for the guest today. A great chair for the guest. He'll be nice and comfortable. So man. why don't we why don't we set up our studio and let's bring him in. Let's do it. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. It is guest time, and I am so fired up, Miz. I'm pumped. Oh, this is it's uh, it's going to take 20 minutes just to get through this resume. I was going to say I'm interested to see what the brain capacity is on on reciting this resume. Because I got to tell you. I, I've known this guy for a long time. When I was playing college soccer, he was one of the top recruits at Calvert Hall. And with his teams at Calvert Hall, man, they were unbeatable. They won two, uh, two back then it was MSA titles. Mm -hmm. Then he went, he, got a, he went on to play at UMBC where they won the Big South regular season under one of his teams. Then he gets into coaching and all of a sudden it all explodes. He gets a job at UMBC as an assistant coach where they've won, count them, five conference championships, mm. five trips to the Impressive. NCAA tournament. He's gone, he's coached, was a, uh, one of the top coaches in the Maryland and Baltimore Bays when they were in the, they, they got all the way up to being the number one club in the country. He was one of the key guys. He's a big time coach at Celtic. He's one of the best trainers around. He's one of the best coaches around. Now he's developing girls soccer for Celtic. He's done a great job. Let's give it up for the one, the only, Anthony Adams. Grab yourself a headset. My ear appreciates that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I would love that. Oh, there it is. We've hold on. Show the hands. We've uh, we've shaken hands. That is yep. violation sure of good. rule number three of our. Virus protection technicians list. Be honest. The only thing that would sweeten the imagery of the resume he just gave is if you did all of that stuff in the, you know back in the day and you did it with a mullet. I would take a mullet right now. Would you? I would absolutely oh. take one. By, By the, the way, way, it's hard it, to it's, it doesn't get the same effect with the with the you know pilot headset. I know, I know, but this is like you know when you see people in a jeep and they see each other and they give the wave. Well, whenever I see somebody without hair, I'm... I was just behind the motorcycle guy like two days ago, and I was like, man, it just reminds me, because they do the, they the, do the, low, yeah. Yeah, the low two fingers. And I'm what is the you. two? Is it piece or... I have no idea. Maybe the wheels? I don't know. I'm going to start sweating in two minutes when I get to the red light, and the, the bike's not moving anymore, and it's <laughs> August. But would it, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. So don't anyway, that is, the, that is the bald guy wave. Anth, yep. you're killing it. Tell me what's going on in your world. Wow, lots of soccer. Um, college season is is still going on today. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens after today with with all the stuff going on with uh, with the coronavirus. Um, coaching club ball. I'm out there four nights a week, twice with my youngest, who's nine, twice with my oldest, who's 12. Um, hoping to go to Jefferson Cup this weekend, but again, we'll we'll see. But uh, just coaching uh, pretty much every night on the field where I want to be. Sounds like sounds like you need to find a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm fortunate that my hobbies is, is my job. So I like it. Well, let's go back. So you have this phenomenal playing career. Just club, high school, your your college career was fantastic. How do you make that jump into coaching? I, I made that jump into coaching <coughs> actually by accident. So I was like 16 and I was a junior at Calvert Hall 
And my brother is like seven years younger than me, and he was on a team called the Baltimore Stars, coached by Mike Schaefer. And at one point, he just asked me if I wanted to come out and just kind of play with the kids. And I just went out and had fun with them. And then I started liking it. And then he said, hey, you want to help out? I said, yeah. So I would come after Calvert Hall and go to their practice in high school. And then sometime between my sophomore and junior year at UMBC playing, uh, Mike stepped back and, and asked me to take the team. And then that next thing I knew, I was coaching – uh, one of the best club teams in the country. I had kids like T.J. Wakefield and yeah. Matt Joseph and Cam Letke and uh, unbelievable players for my first team, Joe Capone, great players. And I was really fortunate to have great players and great fa great families with my first coaching experience. Well, you know what's crazy? You know what I, I just realized that a lot of those guys followed your footsteps into UMBC and, and became some of UMBC's top players ever, probably. That gets you to the, the, your first uh, – NCAA bid, yeah? Yeah, so my, I started in 97. Um, the 98 group was kind of like my first class. We brought in 16 guys. And part of that class uh, was T.J. Wakefield uh, and Matt Joseph uh, from, from the Baltimore Stars. Billy Nelson had come the year before. Right. There was a bunch of BFC kids there, like Louis Carco and Ryan, Ryan Kumo. Right. So all those Baltimore kids kind of got together. And then in 99, um, we ran the table and went undefeated and got to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know what? I you you're gonna think I'm crazy for remembering this, but I don't know why. I, I but I, I have it in my brain. You guys played Duke, and you got hosed because I forgot who the keeper was, but he got drilled on a corner kick, and Duke scored to win. So the keeper was freshman Brian Rowland. Brian Rowland, yes. Now the head coach at Temple. Yeah. Coach at Maryland. Uh, He's our all-time shutout leader, phenomenal goalkeeper, and he's a great coach. Um, yeah, they, they literally, you could sub, every other year they change the sub rules, but you could sub on corners that year. And Duke brought in these two, looked like rugby players. They stood at the penalty mark. As soon as the kid kicked the ball, they sprinted right at Brian, shoulder blocked him into the back of the net. We actually have the video. And the ball went directly in. Yeah, I remember. And that ended our season. I remember that. And the referee just ran to the parking lot, and that was it. It was a long shot that you guys were going to be even be in the game, and here you are at Duke, and you took it to him and kind of had it eh, pulled away, fair to say. Yeah, it's not the way you wanted to go out. That team didn't, didn't know how to lose. Um, so, you know, we were up 3-1, to one, and most teams nowadays would sit back and kind of defend the lead. Right. That team went for 4-5, and five, and we actually missed a penalty and missed a sitter. That would have ended the game. Yeah. And then Duke got two goals late and tied it, and then that's what happened in overtime. It's fun to come in and reminisce a little bit, isn't it, right? It feels like yesterday. That's the crazy part. And you guys coach, so you know. Like, you yeah. can remember. I can't remember what my wife told me to pick up from the store, but I can tell you who scored in, in 1997 yeah, sure. in, some, <laughs> yeah. in some meaningless game at Herring Run Park. But I so can know. Uh, so how does that, like, from going to club where, you know, like, you, you, you get the taste and all that, and now you, you get the bite of the apple, you like it, you know that, hey, man, this is really something I'm interested in. How does that propel you to get to, you know, coaching college? Well, I was going to be a teacher, and uh, I was student teaching. And um, What I, were you going to teach? I was going to teach social studies, so okay. I was a history major. I love military history. I don't know if it's the tactics or, like, leadership and right. all that, but I, I really like that. And I, I thought it was my way into coaching and, and being around that age group. And then, uh, you know, Pete grabbed me one day and, and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. He said, I'd like you to be my assistant for $8,000 and no benefits. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, How can you walk away from that? I mean, I was 22 years old, and I thought, man, if I can try this, and I'll, I'll coach a club team. And I think I was one of the first coaches in the area that actually took some money to coach club soccer. Right, right. Looking back on it, it wasn't – I was still losing money, but I kind of made it work. Um, 
and it went from there. Well, there was, there was you know, th when you were coaching your club, and I, it was it was Baltimore Soccer Club, maybe? SC Baltimore. SC Baltimore, but you merged with Baltimore Soccer Clubs, and that's how the Bays were birthed. Is that correct? Yeah, SC Baltimore and, and Baltimore Football Club merged to form the Bays. Um, we had um, uh, Kevin Healy was involved, John McHugh, uh, Hope Looking Land, um, Tommy Caranta, Bob Mazzetti. Like we, had, we had a great group uh, of teams. They had a great group of teams. Artie Bell, Gibby Bell, Maurice Boylan, right. Ed Bianchi. Um, great group of people, and uh, and it was awesome for a while. And that and that led you to be was it was, if I'm not mistaken, three years running where where Soccer America had you number one in the country as club. Number one boys club in the country. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Because yeah, at some point the, here comes the academy and with Steve's team and all that. I mean that then it was just, um, you know that's when. I think w it was uh, it was three years in a row, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was three. If I'm and not mistaken, and then it was like if even after and around that, it, like the sandwich would be like you were top five boys in the country or club in the country, right? Yeah, and we joined the academy league, which when we started, you could play high school. And for me, the first four years of that league were phenomenal yeah. because every good player was in it. Yeah. And then once they made the high school uh, decision, it, that changed. But uh, I, I looking back on, I thought it was funny back then that when we had all that success. There were people like going, "Wow, Baltimore's on the map," and I work with Pete, right? So he's, you know, the Baltimore historian, and Baltimore's always been on the map. No question. And I think every time a team, <coughs> even now, wins anything, um, every club's now like we're putting Baltimore on the map. Baltimore's been on the map since they they rolled a ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and every once in a while, <laughs> the best players get together, but most of the time they're scattered on different groups. When the best players get together in this area. You could win the whole thing. Yeah, there's no question. And uh, it's it's neat to see what you and Pete have done at UMBC because it's largely based on the Baltimore player. I mean, if you look at the history of UMBC's successful seasons and how many kids grew up playing club, high school, uh, if from Baltimore or around Baltimore, it's pretty impressive. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? How do you How do you get that niche? Well, Pete's a local guy. Um, you know, he came in and recruited us from Calvert Hall, and uh, we've had more kids from Calvert Hall, Curley, and and all, and all the local schools. Now we're getting kids from Mount St. Joe, McDonough, um, wherever. Well, well, any top Baltimore player, um, they're going to hear from us. Right. Um, they might not always come. We get s we get our fair share. Um, we don't get some. Some go away and then come back home. Uh, I know we went to the Final Four. We had a bunch of guys we recruited coming out that ended up coming back after a year or two, and. Um, and these are all kids that, that grew up playing with and against each other, and they had a lot of pride in the area, and that, yeah. that really helped propel us uh, to the Final Four. I was going to ask, like, what as far as like the coaching of, of college team goes, you know, you have the coaching when it's in season and you're breaking the team down and you're doing what you have to do with your personnel and all that, but the huge part of it is the off season, the recruiting part. The, how big is that to you? It's huge. I mean, I would say coaching when I first started was like 50% of my job. I think now it's like 10% of my job which uh, I like being on the field, like any coach. But uh, there's a lot more uh, recruiting paperwork. C recruiting now is global. Uh, there's more and more international kids that, that want to come over here that have grades, um, that have, you know, that, that are a little older. Yeah. They're competing now for roster spots with, with the local kids. There's more Americans turning pro right out of the club system. We're going overseas. So it's going to look a lot different as it, as it moves on here. How do you – how do you uh, – determine like if you're looking at a kid say from england right 
Maybe he's played in a youth academy over there, and he's had a good career, but he's not at that level where he's going to go pro. How do you decide, or how do you look at a kid and say, that kid over there, compared to this kid in Baltimore, or this kid from any of this club player in America, how do you determine which kid's going to have the greater value for your program? I think if we can get a local kid that's on that level, 100, t 100 times out of 100, we're going to go for that kid. I think what happens is every school in the country knows that there's great soccer in Maryland. Right. Um, Northern Virginia, D.C., Philly, it's great soccer. So we're not the only school trying to get these kids. No, of course. So if we got, every, if we got our top five every year, we'd have a whole roster full of, 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 of this region. But, you know, other we're, we're going to lose one here and there. Yeah. And then where's the next kid? You know what I mean? If the next kid's not good enough, then we have to expand our net and then continue to expand the net until we get the level of player we want. And sometimes it takes us overseas. Yeah. Do you have a um, – when, you, when you're going and in, in, in looking at that, when you're – we've talked about this in the past before, but you're looking at, at, at a Maryland kid. Now, how do you – by that I mean a kid from Maryland. You're looking at – Academy, you're looking at club, you're looking at, you know, ECNL, you're looking at U.S. club. How do you determine, based on that, if the kid can compete at the Division One level? What do you look for? I would say when I first started, and I didn't know much, you know, I was just starting with college coaching, I felt like it was easier to identify that player that could impact your program. Now I'm 23 years in, and I find it harder than ever to identify the top players. Everyone can know the very top player or right. two, but there could be kids now in Baltimore that are considered some of the best players. And at 14 years old, by the time they get to 18, we'll have never played against each other in a meaningful game. I'm not talking about the occasional scrimmage or yeah. some tournament where they get some academy and ECNL and National League groups together, but they'll never play a really meaningful game against each other their whole career. And that, to me, is crazy. Uh, and the quicker we get things back into one path, um, and survival of the fittest and let people earn it. So, I mean, there were there were years where, I mean, when I started coaching with, with the Baltimore Stars, there was a team called the uh, Serrano Park Top Guns, coached by Rich Miranda, right. longtime Navy assistant and coach. And they had some great players like Don Cole and Brian Wright and Vinny Sharpella and Kenny Owens. And we played them every year in the state final from 92 to 98. And we won every even year and they won every odd year. We won regionals twice. They won it once. Right. Like, you don't see that anymore. And, but college coaches, every time we played, we played for the league final. We played for tournament finals. Right. We played for state finals. And they were the best players. So it's and always meaningful. Now, you know, there's a, there, you know, there's a overall theory with the whole academy system, right? And, it, and, it, and you mentioned it. You hit on it about high school. So, you know, kids that want to play academy – you know, they can't play high school other than a few who get, like, an exemption or get signed after the season. But if you're a parent of a kid who, you know, is invited to play academy and you might think, if I don't do this, this might ruin my chance to reach a Division One level, uh, to that you say what? There are several pathways. You know, I think there, there's kids playing in academy that go to Division One. There's kids that play National League to go to Division One. There's kids that play ECNL to go to Division One. There's kids that are on teams that don't make National League that go Division One, And it's not all about Division One. You know, it's about finding the right spot. Sure. Uh, it could be Division Three, Two. I mean, Frostburg now is Division Two uh, in our state. Um, junior college can be a great option coming out, and, and a lot of kids need that to start. But um, anyone that's telling you we're the only way, that's not right. That's completely wrong. 
You heard it from the man, Anthony Adams. We are off the crossbar. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Pete Eibner here for Grip Strings. I'm telling you, these shoestrings revolutionize soccer. If you look, they have, I don't even know what it's called, I'm gonna call it fine Corinthian rubber right there, which adheres to the other string. Your shoelaces never come untied unless you want them to. So when you're watching youth soccer and you see kids running down the field and their shoelaces are coming untied and they gotta come out to get subbed, eliminates that problem. Plus, as a player, it's nice to have my shoes never loosen up while I'm in the middle of a game, and then I don't have to worry about it. I'm telling you, grip strings, revolutionizing the way this is done. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. We're here with the one and only Anthony Adams, and this segment, Miz, this segment, Coach, this is brought to us by grip strings. Have you seen these grip strings? I have. Unbelievable. Lance James, genius idea. Because I coach kids, and all the time their shoelaces are coming untied. These shoelaces won't come untied until you want them to. Unbelievable. And I never e even thought about it. And even then, it takes a little bit of uh, elbow grease to get them off. I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's quite a product. I, I, you don't know how many times coaching and training kids that, that this becomes an issue. So I, kudos to you, sir, for, for solving that problem for us. And uh, they are being sold here at Angelo's Soccer Corner over by the heater. <laughs> All right. So. That, I'll be honest, that took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sure they're half melted by now. <laughs> yeah. We have uh, some very cool. Uh, your spring season at UMBC. Um, it's a little different than most schools, I think. Like other schools, I think. They take their spring season almost like, eh, we're playing a spring season. With UMBC, it's it's very competitive, yeah? It's definitely competitive uh, because kids are trying to to get playing time that maybe they didn't get in the fall or continue to develop and uh, and try to earn spots for the fall. Yeah, and, it's, I, and I've always loved the schedule you guys book. Like, you'll play some local teams, you know, you'll play some, some teams that you're expected to beat, but then it's always like a West Virginia or a, you know, or like a Penn State or somebody that, that you're like, holy cow, this schedule is for real. Tell us about that a little bit. Yes, yeah, so our schedule this year, we opened up with West Virginia last week, got a good result. Yeah. And, um, and then we're, well, we just had a game canceled against St. Joe's uh, because of the coronavirus. And, uh, Unbelievable. And we're supposed to play Navy. I don't know if that's going to happen. But what I'm hoping is that the middle of our season in the spring is saved. And we have a great event on April 18th called Kick for Chase which is going to be in its eighth year, which is hard to believe, uh, where we raise money for Down syndrome. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Chase Bugarin was uh, UMBC alum. Brian Bugarin, longtime coach, great player, UMBC player. Uh, 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 tell us about that. Yeah, Br Brian and I have been playing together since we were 10. So uh, it was definitely uh, personal for me. Uh, Ch uh, Chase... Um, was born with Down syndrome and survived 11 weeks. Yeah. And uh, and this was in his name. Uh, so we raised money for um, the Northern Chesapeake uh, region um, in his name. And it's been a great event for, for eight years. Um, we typically get all the clubs we can to come out. Our kids are involved. We're selling yeah. shirts. We get lots of sponsors. And we kind of keep his memory alive. 
For um, sure. And, and it, it's been really well supported by the area. That's yeah. fantastic. And, and so what is the date of that? It's Saturday, April 18th, uh, 6 o'clock kickoff. And you're playing? We're playing American University. Holy cow, what a great game. Yep, uh, former UMBC guy Dan Luisana is the assistant there. Yeah, long-time um, goalie, d national champion himself, and he was on the 2010? He was on the 2010 team. He was goalie of the year in 11, and he was coaching during the Final Four run. Wow. Um, and uh, he played in the kick for chase game. So yeah. pretty cool for him. By the way, great hair. He does have great hair. Great, fantastic hair. Like, look at that picture of that man. I mean, that had a hair, Miz. I'm super jealous. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, right? So anyway, kicks for Chase. American University, a perennial powerhouse on the national level. They got a, they got a new coach. Uh, Zach Samuel came from Georgetown uh, last year. Um, and Mike Montrose from Villanova. And Dan uh, came from App State. He was with us before that. So you got a really nice staff, and they're, they're doing some good stuff down there. And if you have not been to a UMBC game, you got to go. That field is absolutely immaculate. It is, it, Miss Morgan, if you wanted to lay down and take a nap when the game's not going on, you could. It's that comfortable. It's Bermuda grass, finely manicured. It's so nice that when international professional teams like Chelsea, AC Milan, uh, Tottenham, they come to play in America, they train on this field. U.S. national team. Too. U.S. national team yep. trained on that field. It is amazing. Would you say, going all over the country, playing at the collegiate level, would you say it's one of the finest? No question. No question. And uh, the beauty of it is uh, only us and women's soccer are on it, so we don't share it with, with, with other sports. That's not a biased opinion now, is it? Is it a biased opinion? Uh, maybe a little bit. Okay. But I will say we have a guy named Clint Steele, best in the business, keeps our field looking awesome. That's awesome. And, um, you know, and, and we're excited we're getting stands in the hill. Yeah, and wow. that hill is awesome. Say, not just the field itself, but the atmosphere is, is, is unbelievable, right? And yeah. the, uh, putting stands on that hill. That'd be that, great. That'd be way more comfortable, too. The hill gets a little, the, you the, know. <laughs> <laughs> the hill, for me, when I was younger, I could navigate it. Not a problem. Now, 50-50 if I'm taking a header. I will say, it's got to be top 10 sled riding you know, <laughs> venues in the state. Well, d during, during the games, you can always see the kids rolling down the hill, like the little right. ones that don't want to watch the game. So uh, it's that's, that's kind of part of it. It's absolutely fantastic. So get out April 18th. April 18th, 6 o'clock, Retriever Soccer Park. UMBC versus American. Get there. Seth has some good weather that day, hopefully, right? No, it'll be great. Yeah. I, by then, coronavirus will all be sunned out, you know. The My question is, in here, will the heat still be on? The heat will definitely be on. They definitely should, will be on. Seriously, if it's cold outside, they could open up those doors and just make the parking lot to up five degrees. <laughs> so, anyway, next topic. Near and dear to our hearts. Miz, tell them what it is. Our ladies, our, our red, white, and blue ladies against Spain, right? U.S. women's national team faced off against Spain. Got a result. Let's talk about the game. Anth, what were your thoughts? Well, I think you're starting to see uh, the young Spanish players coming through now that I mean, a lot of them are coming from the top clubs in Spain like Barcelona, mm -hmm. and they're starting to look like uh, the style of the guys, which is a, you know, a short possession game, super technical, uh, great with space, and now they're starting to get more athletes playing. Um, yeah. I still think our girls did what they had to do. Uh, our women did what they had to do and won the game. Julia scored a great goal, but uh, you can see that Spain's coming. 
Yeah. Uh, the 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 way they pinged the ball and, and was impressive. Yeah, and like you're saying, you know, you used to watch you're I'm used to watching women's games and it's five nothing. You're yeah, you're trying to stay awake by halftime. I mean, this thing was tight, man. Spain with the hit the post off the, the one early on. Uh, so yeah, kudos to the girls for grinding it out. But it's a lot closer than than you know. It's not as cozy as it normally is, you know. Well, I think now you're seeing that there's especially coming off the World Cup, there is more European nations and big time European clubs that are investing in the women's game, and that's going to be great for everybody. Yeah, yeah. you can see that 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 gap where, I mean, early in the early in it when Anson Dorrance was coaching the national team, it was like you know. Mia Hamm, six goals. It's going to be you know, Michelle Akers with four, and, and the U.S. wins 10 nothing. It's a little different now, isn't it? It's, it's way different. Without breaking a sweat, too, right? Yeah. So, so now you have that gap closing. Um, where do you think it's headed, Ant? Well, I think our level of play is going to continue to improve because we're not done. We know that the rest of the world is trying to catch us. Uh, but we have more girls than ever playing. Uh, yeah. We have more development going on on different levels uh, than ever. There's a there's another club battle going on with, with leagues nationally, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, but I think we're going to continue to push the envelope. And I think it's I think the other the rest of the world getting better is only going to make us better. So we talked about your boys coaching career the whole time. I mean, it's it's something new and dear to you. I mean, now you're on the girls side. Tell us a little bit. I about love it. it. Uh, something crazy happened 12 years ago. I had a daughter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had another daughter and uh, they wanted to play soccer, and I was going to be involved and, and try to help. And I kind of got immersed in it, and now I'm sold on it. If you'd asked me 20 years ago, I'd have said no chance for no particular reason. But I love it, and um, I look forward to going to the trainings every night, and I'm, I'm blessed to have uh, to work with some great girls. And you're learning the differences in how to, you know, kind of treat the girls versus the boys. It's a little bit different. A little bit, but not as much as I would have thought. They, they, they want to compete. Um, they love their team. They want to get better. Um, they want to win. So for me, I go out there and run sessions and, and with the girls and coach them uh, like I would the guys. And every once in a while, I have to say things a little differently or, or be careful what I'm saying to the whole group. I think the biggest thing when you talk to the whole group, I think I see a lot of the girls think I'm talking about them. Yeah. Where when I talk a whole group of guys, they think, oh, he's talking about him. <laughs> right. Not, not talking <laughs> about me. Right. So a little bit of that. Absolutely. Um, but it's, been, it's, it's actually made me a better coach, 100%. But I do got to change my tone when I go from UMBC and drive five minutes to Catonsville Community College, and, and all of a sudden I'm coaching U13 or U10 girls. I have to change my mindset a little bit. But I, I found that to be really hard. Like if, you had a, if I had a session with uh, a guy's team, uh, like let's say it's U17, and then I had to go coach my daughter's team, at, at U12, just your, the, it, not your energy level, but the way you express your energy has to be a little bit different. But uh, not uh, male, female, yeah, but also the age difference is is tough. Like, so being able to do that, Ant, that's, that's a huge credit. And I, I, I found, like, doing both, I found that the response is different. Like, I found that the girls were more pleasers. Like, they wanted to make sure that they're doing the job, the what you're asking, and, you know, they want that confirmation, whereas guys, they think they know everything, you know, and, and they, you know, they, they will work for you, but they're working for the greater good and more for themselves than the girls. I mean, that's, that's what I came away from it. Yeah, and I got, was fortunate. I got to watch, uh, I got to watch your girls in a session at the coaches' convention, and wow, fantastic. 
they've done a great job with them. They they can play, and uh, it was it was really cool to see. You had the one girl who could strike a ball, like Hannah DeVincent. <laughs> Hannah DeVincent. Her dad was oh. a really good player. Holy uh, cow! Ed, yeah. You gotta see this kid hit a ball. That's amazing. I yeah. I would have at the regionals. You t- your team got to the regionals. You only been coaching them for what a couple years? Yeah, regional semis. We lost. We had it. We had it. We were up. We were up in overtime and uh, and lost. But uh, we're we're trying to get back and uh, and see what we can do this year. But great. I will say, if you look at the last ten years in Baltimore, um, what an emphasis on girls soccer by by all the clubs. Yeah, and for it's, sure. It's pretty awesome right now. We had some tremendous players on the girls' side around in this area. I mean, it's just that's a fact. You know what we got to do? Straight up, we got to get either a female coach to sit with us or or one of these top-level female players. Got to happen. Morgan, put it it on the books. Put it on the books, super producer. We are off the crossbar. Hey, everybody. Special thanks to Angelo's Soccer Corner. If you have soccer needs, you need shoes, you need jackets, you need socks, you need replica gear, there's only one place to go. That's Angelo's Soccer Corner. Deadpool not included. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. I am the coach, Pete Ivner. This is the co-coach, Adam the Miz Mizell, and this is the soccer doctor, Coach Anthony Adams from UMBC Men's Soccer. Fired up here, Ant. I am fired up. Do you know why? Why is that? Favorite part of the show. Favorite part of the show. Every episode, we give this award to one player. Now, the award is very prestigious. You might look around and say the three of us are follically challenged. Who would you say had the greatest hair of all time? Patrick Swayze. Patrick effing Swayze. That is his middle name, just, by the way. Just uh, who's a close second? It could have been Pete in high school. Yeah, I, was, I had it going on. You had the Agassiz going, huh? I had the, it going on. Stonewashed jeans with a little roll. Yeah, nice. tight and roll. Tight those yeah, ankles roll. up. It was a good look. Little sun in up there to yeah, little uh, highlights, look, frosted I, tips. They're they're begging me to put a picture up, but I am hiding all evidence. Of, of oh, what was going on, on with my hair. For the good of the show? Do you want one? Uh, do you want one? Yes. All right. Senior year of high school, right there. How do you like that? Brilliant. Woo! All right. That was kind of a point break look, if we're just circling back to Patrick Swayze. So if you had to pick a Patrick Swayze movie, Ant, what would it be? Without question, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Any Popular movie, choice. Any movie with Swayze and Sam Elliott? Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong, mijo. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite scene, favorite line? Give me something from Roadhouse. Be nice until it's time not to be nice. That's a fair. How will we know? Right? I'll tell tell you. That is such a great scene. So there is your Patrick Swayze mullet right there from Roadhouse. That is a good-looking man right there. That hair is fantastic. Fantastic. So, every year we every I'm sorry every episode we give one person that mullet. Who's it going to be, Miz? Julie Ertz, who already has a very good looking head of hair, but you know, in a mullet, probably even better. Yeah, I that header to lift the U.S. over Spain. What a header! Talk a little bit about it, Ant. 
I mean, she's a beast. I mean, I remember she came up as a center back. Now she's a holding midfielder. She can play anywhere. She's physical. She's tough. She's a leader. Uh, she just made a really good near post run and attacked the ball. It was great service, and she buried it. Hit the header. I mean, that is, she smoked it. What a great goal. So, Julie Ertz, here we go. This is for you and Miss Morgan. Three, two, one. There we go. Look at her. That is a, and still a 10, right? That's great. Great look. Absolutely great look. So, folks, let me tell you something. If you need soccer gear, get here to Angelo's Soccer Corner. We thank them for hosting us. Amp, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thanks Enjoyed for it. coming in, Coach. Great Appreciate job, all guys. your insight. Oh, hold on. We just violated rule number three. Here it comes, yep. And there we go. Thank you. Thank yep. you, virus protection technician, Miss Morgan. We are off the crossbar.